Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today is the start of our new format. I don't know about you, but I am really excited about this. If you are new to the show, let me explain how things used to be. If you're a seasoned rocker, let me tell you what we're doing. Those of you in our community have already gotten a little clue as to what we're doing, but let me spill the beans now. In the past, our show was kind of like an encyclopedia. We had different topics revolving around the six pillars of retirement lifestyle. Those pillars are spiritual, significant other, friendship, your purpose in life, family, and health. Now, we'll still talk about these subjects, but in a different way. You see, the past episodes are kind of, like I said, like an encyclopedia. You wouldn't necessarily listen to the episodes on sex if you weren't in or looking for a relationship. You wouldn't listen to the episodes on family if you don't have any living relatives or friends that you consider to be family. This isn't my choice. It's yours. Now, those episodes are still there waiting for you when you need them. The last episode that I released was meant for the diehard listeners to the show. They were wondering why I haven't released an episode on a weekly basis like I normally did. I wrote an article that explained it, but not everyone has signed up for our mailing list. So people started writing to me asking me what was happening. But I took it down after only about 300 people had downloaded it. If you were one of the 300, congratulations. Now for the rest of you, we went ahead and re-released it. So if you want to go back and listen, that's fine, but all of the information isn't necessarily valid, so I would just move forward from now on. At the time of that recording, I really wasn't sure what I was going to be doing in the future, but the current situation with the podcast wasn't working for me. It was taking up too much of my time. Although the show is very successful in the indie podcast world, it doesn't bring in any money. And my last episode included a request for volunteers, which I still want, 
and also money. I was tired of spending so much time and my own money on the show. The few ads I've tried just didn't work because, well, all of you are so diverse. You aren't all alike, so it's difficult to, quote, sell something to you, end quote. Now, that's okay. This isn't what the show is about. After I put it out there, the show was going to change formats. My creative juices started flowing again. What was the original purpose of the show? To see what I'm missing about retirement. To see what I need to watch out for. Yep, that's correct. The show was originally all about me. Now, I'm scared to retire, so I wanted to find out, through my guests, everything I needed to know. And the show has become successful beyond my wildest expectations. Prior to COVID, it was getting about 10,000 downloads a month. That went down to about six or 7,000. And I'm not sure what will happen once we change the format. So here's what we're doing now. And this is something I'm super excited about. We, all of us, will be living vicariously through one of our listeners. She is about to retire in March. So we'll get to follow her announcements her preparations, and then we'll also get to follow her expectations and experiences after she actually retires. She's committed to a year, but I'm hoping that she'll do a year after retirement, so we'll see. After all, this is a volunteer position for her. <laughs> now, we're expecting this to be a monthly show, but there may be bonus episodes with her or maybe just with me by myself. We haven't really determined that yet. I've also had someone volunteer to help me with the transcriptions. So that will be a blessing as well. This way, our deaf and hard of hearing friends will be able to follow along too. I can't guarantee how fast this is going to happen because our volunteer is only one person. And as you know, we have over 260 episodes. If you'd like to help out with that project, please let me know. But the show is changing, and I'm very excited about it, and I hope you are too. With that, I'll introduce our newest co-host for the 12-month project. She will be with us for 12 months, and as I said before, she's retiring in March, and her name is Barbara Mock. She's one of the listeners who answered the request that I made in the Facebook group, and I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Barbara, thank you so much for agreeing to let us live vicariously through your experiences. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we can get started on where you are with your own retirement project. Sure. Thank you so much. I feel kind of humbled and honored. I really, I really don't know what's going to happen in this year, but I committed to you that I'd be open and authentic and transparent, so I'll do the best I can. A little about me, um, I live in the Pacific Northwest, north of Seattle, in the Snohomish area. I am married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married for 40 years. I met him when I was 16 and never dated anyone else. So he's a, a pretty good guy. Uh, we have two children, uh, a daughter who's 38 and married, and, and they have two kids, um, two sons. And then my son is 35 and married to an amazing registered nurse. And I have two grandchildren with them. So I have four grandkids. And I have to say that given COVID, that has been a motivating factor. They're aged eight, seven, seven, and four. And I tell people, I feel like I've got a window. I've got a window of opportunity to live life with them on a more regular basis. And I think that window closes when they're teenagers, 13 or 14. So 
I was thinking as I was sitting at home in my office in Snohomish on furlough, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life right now? However, I love my job. I'm the planning director for Snohomish County. So I work for local government and I've worked for 44 years. I started March 28th of 1977. And so when this idea, which I'm scared too, just like you, when this idea came to me, I thought there was something kind of poetic or closure that I would retire on or around my 44th work anniversary. Um, In terms of how I came to be in this position, I think it's part miracle, part hard work, part just opportunity. I started when I was 18 years old as a receptionist in the planning department. And over the last 44 years, I think I've held maybe 16 or 17 different jobs. I get bored easily. And in a department that was around 240 people at the height, I was able to navigate through various different jobs. So most of my work has been with customer service. I love serving our residents. I worked the front counter in permitting. And then I became a planner after I took time off with the kids. I've always worked for the county, but when my children were young, I worked two days a week. So I was able to keep my skills, keep my training and keep my hand in, but promotional opportunities kind of went on pause because I was home with the kids. When junior high started leering and I realized, oh my gosh, these kids are college bound. I need to get a little bit more money than what we've got going right here. I'm married to a man who worked for the local telephone company for 39 years. So while he had a good job, it was always nice to be able to supplement all those years um, when I was working part-time or income. So I started applying for jobs and went from planner to senior planner to supervisor. And then things changed in 2004 when there was an election. And with that election came a new county executive, and I got assigned to work in technology of all things. Now, I am a true baby boomer, but who knew that I was really good at getting people to work together? I guess it's more of my mom's skills that I used. And so I didn't need to know all the technology. I knew the customers. I knew the permit process, and we had great people for that. So we put task teams together, and I'm so proud of the work we did. We transformed a government agency that was steeped in 50 years of paper, and we started transitioning in 2004 and five to electronic permitting, which for at the time was kind of cutting edge. Subsequent to that, I became a manager, and then there was an election in 2016, and the new county executive, it's an appointed political position, promoted from within. And so as a woman, normally there's a national search for a planning director, and there's never been a woman planning director. And so I really debated with myself, should I take the job? Should I not? But when in your career do you ever have the chance to say, if I were in charge, this is how I would do it. (laughs) When do you ever get the chance to say, we're going to treat people with compassion and dignity and kindness. And so all those customer service years at the front counter, I was now in charge. And so in a, in a several year period, we transformed our department from a hundred percent paper to 100% electronic. And we did that as a team, as a group, 18 months before the pandemic. And my staff somehow think I'm psychic or something like, (laughs) look, and they're so grateful because many local governments had to shut down. They had to leave boxes outside the front door and have people dump off their paper and they were closed. My office has been closed since March 12th. 
and I have not been back since. And yet we are processing permits and issuing them. So from a career standpoint, I'm super proud of the work I've done. And it's almost like my capstone project was to get this implemented, to get everyone in a good spot. And I'm only 62. So I think with it, and we can go into later with my um, public employees retirement system, it's called PERS-1 for Washington State. Um, I have a very generous retirement. We have other things too. So what I love about your show is it's not about the finances. My finances are fine and I'm happy to share kind of what we did and how we did it if that's of interest, but I'm more interested in what am I retiring to? I know what I'm retiring from leadership role, great colleagues, friends, relationships that I've built over the years. I'm leaving a lot, but I'm also excited about what the future shows. And I think listening to your show, that's how I came to see and talk to you is literally just a couple weeks before you made that horrible announcement <laughs> that you were not going to be doing this anymore. I said, oh no. And I even told my husband, I said, what am I going to do? And he goes, well, how long's the podcast been going? I said, gosh, I think since 2016, he goes, we'll start it season one <laughs> and start listening. So one thing that I've done, and again, I'll share tips that I discover is as I've looked at this journey, I have learned so much. I walk my dog, Sadie, every morning and the, this podcast is on and I am ripping through. I think I'm to 2017 now, so I've got a wow. ways to catch up. <laughs> but I have on my whiteboard behind me, I have a big sticky post-it. And on one side, I wrote the, the, the words do, D-O, do. And I have a list of all the things that I've learned from these amazing people and Kathy of things I need to do, like make an appointment with our financial advisor, call human resources. There is quite a list. And so I'll share that with you as I discover lessons learned. And on the right-hand side, I have the word consider. And under consider, the list is growing every day. And it's three times longer than the list of do. Wow. Things like consider living in Cuenca, Ecuador. Ah. Consider joining <laughs> SCORE. And so for every podcast, I'm finding there's some little kernel of something that I should consider. And as a project manager and a planner, I'm going to need a Venn diagram or I'm going to need some sort of a decision tree because at this point, based on Kathy's podcast and all of her experts, I have such a growing list. I'm going to have to reduce it down to something reasonable. And I listened to something the other day that said, leave room, leave room. And I've been a busy person my whole life. I've been hyper scheduled. I, I've probably work 50 hours a week as a planning director and so I love that advice because I can see myself wanting to help others, wanting to do things I've always wanted to do and not having enough space. So that's a little bit about me and my family, my work, my goals, and my decision. Wow. That's a lot. Thank you so much. And, you know, honestly, I'm considering this to be our show for the next year. So you can Thank you. I'm, I'm humbled. You're an expert and um, I will be sitting at your feet learning and absorbing. I, I love to learn. I'm a lifelong learner. And I have to say, this is an area that I really don't know a lot about. I was always working from the time I was 16. Well, none of us do, right? I mean, that's why, like I said, that's why I started the show. And I think that's why so many people have found the show and listened. I know that when we were talking prior to today just to see if this was going to be something that would work for both of us. I was talking about how in 2016, nobody knew what a podcast was. 
And I was physically grabbing people's phones and showing them how to find the app and having them subscribe. So, and listener, if you haven't subscribed yet, remember it's free to subscribe. And if you're interested in learning how to subscribe, just go to rockyretirement.com slash subscribe. There's a couple of videos on there. So tell us where you're at now. Have you made the announcement yet? Are you working up to that or what's going on? Oh my gosh. So the first thing I did is I talked to my elected official. He's the one who appointed me. And then I have an executive director and, and we talked and um, that was humbling because they were so grateful, grateful for my years of service, grateful uh, for the role I play in the department and just very, very encouraging. And it was, it was kind of emotional to, to, to make that decision and then to talk with them about it. And then I told a very select group of people because in my mind, I thought, how many times have I seen people that when they make the announcement, they're retiring, that they're essentially moved aside right? People start treating you like, well, you're not the director anymore. So who's the next person? And so in my mind, I initially thought, well, I'll announce in December and then that'll give them three, four months because I want to retire March 28th. But as every day went on and one or two more people knew, and it's like any office or government, it just seemed unfair for me to try to demand people don't tell anyone. And so my whole plan got blown up. (laughs) And I decided then to tell my leadership team. So I told my deputy director and my managers. So there was both congratulations, some tears, some sadness. It just ran the gamut depending on the person and my relationship. And that was hard to hold that information. And I knew that I needed to send something out officially to my department. I have 130 employees that, that I lead and that I work with. And so I just spent a lot of time on my walks when I wasn't listening to you, thinking about what did I want to communicate? What did I want to say? And I decided that I would announce on a Friday. And I would do it Friday afternoon. And I think that's partly because I've learned the hard way that when you announce things, if you do it in the morning, you deal with it all day. And I was emotional. I didn't want to deal with it all day. And a lot of people are gone in the afternoon. And so I realized, though, that there were people that I loved and cared about that I'd known for 30, 40 years, that I had them in my personal phone that were colleagues. And I thought, you know, how would I want to know about this? So I spent that Wednesday, Thursday calling people from my past and my present to tell them personally in my voice, because sometimes people fill in blanks like, Ooh, why is she leaving? Is there budget cuts and speculation comes in? And I have to say, I am so glad I did that. It was such an eye opener because most of them are retired. I got tips. I got, you won't regret it. I've gotten invitations to New Mexico, Eastern Washington to come to me- to, to Mexico. People just said, oh, great. You're retired now. You can do these things. <laughs> so I'm literally making a running board of invitations. So that was the right gut feeling to make those phone calls. And it wasn't a lot of people, but it was enough. And then on that Friday, I sent out my email And I knew it would get forwarded, but immediately I had 20 responses that were so heartfelt, were so thoughtful. It was almost like going to your own memorial service. I don't mean to sound morbid, but don't you always wonder when you die, 
what will people say to you when you're going to leave, right? And they have all these really nice things to say to you, usually that they never said to you in real life, you know, when you were alive. Exactly. (laughs) And, And I'm giving seven months notice. So it's not like I'm leaving tomorrow. And I'm going to be journaling. And I just feel like as I talk about this, if you're interested in what I said to my staff, I'm going to include that email. I'll make it that personal. But I'll also include without attribution, what some of the people said, because for me, it's like the apex of my career. I don't think they would have said those things to me, except that I announced and a number of them were grateful. They're in shock. They're struggling. And they're so glad that we have seven months to to work it out. So the announcement went out on Friday. By the following Monday, my circle of coworkers and employees, everyone knew. But then it went to the next circle, to the mayors in our county that I work with, to the regional partners with the other cities. And so every day I've been getting a few, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe it, or thank you for letting me know, or congratulations. And so it it's part cathartic. It's a little scary, like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And then very energizing because I'm getting to talk to people I haven't talked to in years and hear just hear from them. And so I have to say so far, so good. I'm not depressed. I'm on a high and I'm heading off for vacation. So I think I've got lots of things to think about as I move forward. So the word is out. That is so awesome. So it was it sounds like it was kind of what you expected, but in the other, on the other hand, not really what you expected. True, true, very true. So what do you think is going to happen now? I mean, you're, you're journaling, and for those of you that are listening, you can go to rockyourretirement.com, and I think it's under blog or articles or something like that. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes where you can find those journal entries. What do you think is going to happen between now and the next time we get together? Well, in the next month, I mean, from from a work standpoint, I am still the director and we have some very, very difficult decisions to make. If you're not living under a rock, you know, we have COVID and you know that local governments like counties really are not in a financial position. Our revenue has plunged and Congress at this at this date has not done anything to remedy that. So we are looking at drastic revenue challenges. And I work in a building and planning department. So if you recall the economic downturn of 2008 and 2009, for an example, our department had 244 people in it. Me and two others had to make the decisions to lay off 144 people. These were people I grew up with. These were people that I knew everything about their lives, their financial situation, their family, their children, their medical situation. It was absolutely devastating. I I got so sick. And I think I'm partly glad that I am retiring because what I see on the horizon for us could be more layoffs. And now instead of the people I've known my whole life, it's the young people that we've recruited that we're so excited to get a job with the county that, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen. I'm going to do everything I can to fiscally figure out how we get through this. Um, But again, one thing that's mitigated that is we stayed open. We had electronic plan review and electronic permitting. And so we have kept the revenue coming in. It's just a fact of our local economy, Boeing, 
the pandemic, just those consequences. So on the horizon for me in the future is figuring out how to keep the department intact and get through this time. In terms of uh, relationships and things at work, I think I'll start transitioning a bit out of my role as like chair of meetings and moving more towards mentoring and coaching. I've had a number of people that are so sad I'm leaving, but I've committed to them that I'll still be here. I'll still be in Snohomish. And especially for the young women who, you know, it's a very uh, male dominated field, the building and construction and planning industry. And I really have learned a lot over these last 40 years. And so I'm excited that some 30 somethings will actually want to spend time with me and talk to me and just let me uh, be their friend and, and mentor and not their, not their director. So I think that's going to start to happen. I know for my husband and I, oh my gosh, every talk that you have is you need to be talking, right? <laughs> you talk about the divorce rate and I've, I told him, okay, we got to listen to this, honey. And he doesn't really want to listen. He wants me to tell him what it says, which <laughs> I, I think that's a, a husband thing, but he's very open to talking about it and very involved in the financial aspect. So if I engage with him on the financial planning, he seems open to talking with me about the other activities, but I really do need to find my purpose. I need to find what gives me life and passion. I think one of the factors in my decision is I'm an extreme extrovert, unless you couldn't tell. <laughs> and so I'm delighted to be talking to anyone, even if it is, you know, remotely, but sitting here in my office uh, at home since March has not been, you know, at all what it was like the other 43 years. And if I'm going to be home, I'd rather be doing things that, you know, aren't a continuous Zoom call. Um, and I talked about those grandkids. So I think right now it's listening to your podcast, making my list and starting to examine some things. One of the things I found was I really want to learn Spanish. I love to travel We'll get into some of the travels I've done and I had planned and I will plan, uh, but I'd love to learn Spanish. So I signed up for something called Duolingo oh, and, Duolingo. and I've got five days in a row and I'm going to keep working on it. And, and um, I, I'm enjoying having something else to look at. I do have to say though, I feel kind of divided. You know, when I was working full time with no end in sight, I'm a hundred percent all in. And I find myself a little distracted sometimes like, huh, I, I won't be there to implement that budget or that's nine months from now. Maybe someone else should work on that. And so I'm really trying to stay engaged. I want to leave well. I'll never just check out like, you know, some people tend to do, um, but I am focusing forward and trying to, in a modest way, go through some processes to figure out, okay, what's next for me? So I'll take you along on the journey. I do not have this figured out by any means. We will love that. Now, I know that you're part of the government, so I have a couple of questions to ask. Sure. If you don't want to ask, answer them, just let me know. Yeah. Um, so the first question that I have is regarding your replacement. Uh -huh. do, you, do you kind of know who that's going to be? Or Well, yeah. So it... Yeah, it could be one of two things. I have a deputy director that I've worked with for 25 years, and he is highly competent. However, he is a building official and a fire marshal, and he does all the operational things like the permitting and that sort of thing. And he is phenomenal, more than capable. However, 
this position is very external focused. It's working with mayors, working with elected officials, legislators, uh, regional collaboration. And so whether the executive is up to the county executive and that leadership to decide what is the right fit for them. And it really just depends on what the goals are. And so to the degree I can, I will help that conversation. But in terms of my replacement, that'll be a political appointment that could be my deputy and he would be wonderful, or they may want to go in a different direction. In local government, if you're a planning director, it's unlikely you would be there that long, right? Usually they're one to two years. I've had 20 different directors in my 44-year career. So you can average that out. And it has really nothing to do with whether you're a good director or not. It's a political appointment. And if there's a political change on the county council or the executive, then generally kind of like the president with his cabinet, it's very, very similar to that. So no hurt feelings when they say it's time to go. Fortunately for me, I was able to choose when I wanted to go. And that is unique in our history. That is great. That's great. My second question, and remember, I'm a retired financial advisor, so I can't, I can't help myself but to ask about money. Yeah. And so my question is this, you are retiring from a county position. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Counties, pension plans, these are funded by people. And people are currently not working. And I know that right now, I'm not talking about tomorrow or next week, but have you, have you been concerned at all about your pension, perhaps not being able to support you? And what are your thoughts on that? Sure. So let's back up a little bit. You know, like I said, I met my husband at 16. He was 18. We dated for five years, got married 21, 24. And we're just kind of, I guess, We used to say we were boring, but our insurance agent says, no, you're stable, (laughs) is that we've been, you know, married this whole time. But he started working at the phone company when he was 21 and he worked there for 39 years. He never left. Now the phone company changed. It started as General Telephone, then it was Verizon, then it was Frontier. So we're of a generation that had both. And by both, I mean, he had an employer provided pension. And as soon as 401ks came into existence, we maxed out on that. I work for local government and I had a mandatory public employee retirement system. 6% of my check every month from 1977 went into that and it has an equal county match. PERS 1 ended in October of 1977, six months after I got into it because it was totally financially unsustainable. And so there's very, very few of us. I was kind of at the tail end of the baby boom and the tail end of this program. And so PERS 1, and you can go on a Washington State website, is fully funded because it was funded so many years ago. But also I'm fortunate to live in a state, for whatever reason, that our pensions are well-funded and they're protected. Additionally, employment security, I think our you know, we are burning through unemployment right now as a state with COVID, but it was very, very well funded. We live in a region that has Boeing, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, you know, all of these really big high tech and then biotech companies. And so that was all put aside for a rainy day. So while I could be worried about not getting my pension, I monitor that it is still fully funded and I watch to see the percentages Your state may be different, 
there are some states it's horrifying as far as what it is for pensions. So we don't have all our eggs in that basket. We have my husband's pension, my PERS. He had a 401k. In government, it's called a 457B, but very similar with a county match. So we've taken advantage of that. And then we both have Social Security. So we have, I guess, six sources <laughs> potentially. And if one didn't go so well, we'd, we'd be fine because we built our own home in 1984 to 1986. We still live in that home. We made a pretty big um, investment in remodeling it, kind of like uh, Joanna Gaines on Fixer Upper, uh -huh. where we built our house ourselves in the 1980s. Right. And we built it for $52,000, not including the lot, right? Because we did all the work ourselves. And we thought, well, let's let's sell it and move. But in Puget Sound, there's not a lot of great places to move. The easily developed land is, is, is gobbled up and we live in a beautiful two and a half acres. So we thought, well, let's just make it new inside. So three years ago, when I got my raise for director, we remodeled the entire inside. So you see my house from the outside. It's well-maintained and painted, but it's an older home. It's brand new inside, and it looks like something out of whatever I could copy off a of Fixer Upper. So with the house paid off, that that leaves a lot of options for us for retirement. So hopefully that's not too much information, but that, that's where we're at. And I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that we tried to live 10 to 15% below our income rather than 20% above. And so over the time, we've tried to remain debt-free as great, as greatly as possible. And we are. So that's a, that's a great way to go into retirement. I remember when we were in our 20s, we read a book that talked about that 2% of retirees are debt-free when they retire. And we both looked at each other and said, well, what do we need to do now to not be in the, you know, the, the two, you know, to be, be above the 2% that we want to be debt-free, but it takes a commitment on both parts, a commitment to deferring or delaying things that you may want to get there so that you're not paying tons and tons of money and in interest. Yeah. It's just amazing to me how many people, they, they don't understand how money works. They don't know where their money's going and they're broke all the time because because of that. I mean, I know people, I think I, I don't know if I've said this on the show, probably have, but um, yeah, I, I know I have that. I knew people when I was a financial advisor that were having a great retirement and they were living in a mobile home park. And then I knew people who were, you know, living in $2 million homes and had tons of money that weren't having a good retirement. Part of that too is all the things that we talk about on this show, but also the person who's living in the mobile home park could have, you know, $5 million in the bank. We don't know what their life is like. You know, I, I always drive really old cars. I currently don't have a car. I've got a golf cart, but we, you know, we are fine financially. And I know that's not what this show is about, but it sounds like you and I are on the same page there that, that really in order to have a great retirement, got to have that budget. You've got to have the money situation under control. doesn't have to be everything about money, but it's got to be under control. Other, you know, if you can't, if you don't know where your mortgage payment is coming from, or if you get a flat tire and that's devastating to you, that, that, that is going to affect your retirement for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So, yeah. And I always try to get the young people, try to get them to understand. But, you know, when you're in your 20s, a lot of people, they, you know, they want to drink, you know, they want to go out with their friends and drink the $12 uh, glasses of wine, <laughs> which for me, if I have to pay $12 for a glass of wine, I'm inside. I'm, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially when I know I can buy that whole bottle for 15. So, well, we're so glad that you're here on the show with us. And, um, what types of things do you have on your ticket? I know that you're keeping a journal. Are you keeping it and for the listener, we'll be releasing those journal episodes one at a time. We don't want to overwhelm you. And we also, uh, the way that we are doing this podcast is similar to how I did in the past. We'll be recording the episodes and releasing them at a later date. Barbara is keeping her journals uh, on a real-time basis, but we're not releasing those to you because we we want to be able to have the episode sort of match the, the journal episodes if possible. Again, we're playing this by ear. Barbara and I are going to be talking about this and deciding along the way what we, what we'll do. We'll probably make some changes. And that's another thing. Any questions that you have for Barbara, you can go to the show notes for this episode and you can ask your questions. You can also, if you'd like to go to the um, Rock Your Retirement community group, you can ask those questions in there. Barbara won't be answering questions in the Facebook group unless she decides that that's what she wants to do. But she's probably either for, for answering questions, we'll probably do it on the show. So get your questions into the group. And I may even create a like a form for it. I, I'm Like I said, we're kind of playing this by ear. So what do you kind of, uh, Barbara, are you thinking about going with the six pillars or just writing your thoughts? What's your goal or how are you planning? Sure. Well, so far, um, when I take my walks, if something comes to me about anything related to retirement, I just dictate it into my phone and send it home and edit it. So it's, it's, it's not professional writing by any means. It is literally a stream of consciousness. Um, but the six pillars are super important to me. And I think that as we go through these, you know, introductory ones, I, I, I think I will include them uh, in some aspect into, into what I'm working on. Um, because while I'm still working, my focus is still on work, but I'm trying to carve out time. And so on the Facebook page, maybe after I'm retired and I have time, I could do that. But right now I get about 200 emails a day. Um, so by the time I, I, I get done with work, I kind of want to do something, um, different, but I, I do appreciate if there is engagement, I do appreciate if there's questions. And I think if we can funnel them through you and then you can just ask them to me, um, without being prepared, maybe just ask them to me in, in this moment and I'll, I'll give you, uh, the best answer that I, that I can. That would be great. And for the listeners, we want this to be interactive. So send us your questions and, and Barbara and I will talk about it on air. And so if you send us those, then your question might, might get asked. So Barbara, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I think that we're going to have great fun. Well, I know for one thing, it's caused me to be much more thoughtful, much more introspective. And as a planner, I think that I've heard no less than five times 
you need to get a plan. When, when you ask at the end of, of some of the earlier broadcasts, what's the one thing that you wish you could tell someone that's going to retire? It's get a plan. And so I'm going to use my planning and project management expertise to try to develop a plan. And again, I'll share that along the way. Um, right now, I just have a lot of ideas and thoughts and things that are whirling around and they're not organized in any way. That's a little scary because I like to have things nailed down. I think the biggest challenge to me with COVID, and uh, maybe in a future episode, I'll talk a lot of of my love for international travel. But when COVID hit here in Washington in March, that canceled our 40th wedding anniversary trip to Cancun and Isla Mujeres. It's a first world problem, right? I have a home. I have a husband. I have food. There's so many people in such worse shape. But I have to say, 40 years is a big milestone to be married to the same person, and I wanted to celebrate it. We had two trips planned to Canada. And for us in Washington State, probably for the rest of you, Canada is closed. And then we had an epic hiking trip planned to Iceland. And so what I've realized is how many of my waking hours was planning trips, organizing the trips, anticipating, and then doing the trips and then getting ready usually for the for the next one while I was on the plane ride home. And so that's taken out a big space of what my life was. And it's just caused me to be really introspective about what do I want? I don't know what this COVID thing holds, whether or not I'll be able to go in 21, 2021, 2022. It, it It's a real challenge to people for planning when you really don't know what the world will look like. So now I'm just trying to figure out, well, what are some things I can do from this house, from my backyard, from the road that I walk on uh, to stay safe, but still have a satisfying life to your point. It's not about the money and it's not necessarily about the trips. It's about the people we love, the friends we're with, the things we do with our kids and grandkids. And so I'm toning it back a little bit, but still trying to figure out what's the right thing for me. You know, I'm having that same issue. (laughs) I love to travel and my travel bug has just not been satisfied (laughs) this year. And so yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we went to... uh, once every three months, we go to Charleston to go to the doctor. For the listener, if this is your first time you've ever listened, my husband has cancer. And so we we go to the doctor. It's about two hours from where we live once every three months so he can get checked and yada, yada, yada. But on the way back, we started talking and I said, you know, I am missing traveling so much. It, it's, it's really heavy on my heart not to travel. And he doesn't want to go to a hotel. You know, I mean, I had suggested that when we go to Charleston, we go a couple of days ahead of time, get a hotel, and then we can do some things while we're there. And he just doesn't want to stay in a hotel and I don't blame him. And so we started talking about maybe getting a small used RV. And then we can travel, we can be in a self-contained unit, we can go see Some of the national parks are open. And so we might do that. Where I live, it's very inexpensive to store an RV, although I don't know if there's any spaces. I should probably find that out before I before I buy one. But um but yeah, so that might be the way that we start traveling here in the US. We definitely know that there's a lot of places in the world that are closed to Americans. 
But there's a lot of places in the U.S. The U.S. is a huge country. And so that may be what we decide to do during COVID because who knows how long this is going to last. And, you know, it, it's a little scary. Yeah, I think um, what's interesting is a lot of people are doing that here in Washington, um, boating. We have Puget Sound, you know, inland waters. And so the boat prices are skyrocketing because of supply and demand, right? Oh, the demand is that. higher. I'm <laughs> sorry. And it's that probably the same. means the RV is going to go up. And, oh, no. It's, it's really, they've been just selling out of RVs. But then the capacity, right, where most of us would have been in Mexico or Italy or France, and they're all bemoaning the fact the Americans aren't there and that whole economic impact. Now, just try to find a place to park. I mean, if you're okay parking at a Walmart, then probably you're fine. But if you want to go to a park where it needs a reservation, what I'm hearing from my friends is there's no place because all of us that normally would have been other places are here. So um, I'm we're we're just going to kind of wait a year. And the reason for that is is I don't know precisely what my income will be. I'm trying to figure that out as best as possible. And we're not sure how our expenses will have changed. And so we feel like it'd be easy to just jump right in, but not be sure. So we've both kind of made a pack that uh, next summer, we're just going to see how things go. And maybe some of your ideas that I've heard about, like renting or uh, sharing an RV, just to try some of that out before we actually take the plunge. It just seems like as you're retiring and you're more on what you might say a fixed income, it seems like the decisions have a higher importance that instead of going, oh, I could work some more, I could work some more overtime. It's well, no, this, this is it. This is our income. And um, so I think maybe that's just our frugal nature is just trying to figure out what, what we should plan for and budget for. And it's kind of unknown for us right now. So, um, so that's one thing I learned from your podcast, make a plan, take your time and be thoughtful about the activities that you want to participate in because maybe you'll buy something and then you decide you don't like it a few weeks later and then you won't be able to sell it as easily. So um, true. You've, you've had some great programs on that. So that's been really helpful. Well, that's great. Well, I can't wait for our next get together. Is there anything that you want to say before we say goodbye? I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for this podcast. It has been an emotional lifesaver for me. I can't count how many people of multiple generations I've talked about about this with. And to your point, I think there's a whole segment of our world that needs this. But because they don't know what a podcast is, you're missing. Because to be honest, had my daughter not downloaded a podcast for something else, I wouldn't have even known. I've heard of it, but I'd never had it. Well, once I started listening to one podcast, I said, oh, there's search. And I just started searching. And that's how I found you. So I don't know how to get the word out, but I think retirees have time. They can take walks. They can listen and they can learn. It's just a, a form of communication that we're not used to, but it's super valuable. So I don't know. Maybe that's a project is figuring out how to get baby boomers to understand how easy it is to download a podcast. <laughs> well, listener, there is your assignment. Tell a friend about this show. <laughs> sure. Because that's how most people really found this show, I think, is uh, through word of mouth. Yeah. But thank you. And honestly, I feel like this, this show is really a collaborative effort 
You know, I am certainly not an expert. I bring them on the show and then you and I are going to be learning together. I'll be living vicariously through you. And I can't wait till our next meeting. Well, it's truly going to be a journey and I don't know what it's at the end of the road, but um, day by day, week by week, I'll try to um, include things that I'm learning or things that I'm thinking about. And so there'll be much more detail in the the blog. However, it will follow my real life. And so whatever we talk about, we'll try to expand more in the blog. And I am totally open and welcome questions. And it's going to be fun the next seven months. And then, you know, after that, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go on this journey with you. I cannot wait to be able to travel and visit you in the Carolinas. That's a part of the country I've never been in. And I know you're familiar with the Pacific Northwest having lived here, but if you ever need a place, I've got two bedrooms. So come on up. We would love that. Yes, that would be awesome. Barbara, thank you so much for um, joining the show. I really appreciate it. And to the listener, we'll see you next time on the Rock Your Retirement Show. Bye. Bye. Bye.